Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. As we get started today, I want you to think about those Christmassy characters, Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch. Are they known for their generosity or their greed? Are they known for what they give or what they keep closed away? One author named Donald DeMarco, he points out that these two characters, uh, they're, they're driven by greed. And, and actually, the more they are driven by greed, the less human they appear. Their, their, their character is, is rotten. And so today, uh, we're, we're going to talk about character, along with the themes of generosity and gratitude. And we'll also talk about tithing as well a little bit today. But these two, they form and fuel each other. Uh, we could frame it like this. Generosity inspires gratitude, and gratitude inspires generosity. And so in theory, kind of like in a perfect world situation, generosity and gratitude They keep inspiring and reverberating throughout life and history. So the assumption is, excuse me, the assumption is the more we slip into greed, selfishness, ingratitude, the more our hearts become brutalized, cold, harsh. We become cuddly as a cactus, as that Grinch song <laughs> sings. <laughs> we become cuddly as a cactus. But may I suggest that as we grow closer to Jesus, as we fall in love with his character, that will inspire gratitude. And our gratitude for Jesus will naturally produce a generosity in our lives. Now, when we talk about generosity and and giving to God, giving to the church, etc. I, I don't think the, the starting question should be how much or even when. And I'm even recalling sometimes we have some campaigns going on, some, some fundraising projects, and sometimes people ask, like, how much, how much do you think I should give? You know? I think a proper starting point is actually something more like this. What kind of person do you want to be? It's not about how much or when, but what kind of person do you want to be? And so I want to share with you a little bit of what I'm thinking here um, as, as we get into it. God is a generous God. He is a provider of all resources and good uh, goods. He's, he's the father that throws the party for the prodigal. He's the vineyard owner who's so generous and gracious to all of his workers, regardless of their starting time. When we look at the son, Jesus emptied himself. He gave up his his riches so that he could meet my spiritual poverty. Right? He, he, could, he could heal that. Jesus gave himself away. He gives his Holy Spirit to me. He gives me gifts and, and graces and ministries and, and so much more. I recognize that I am so spiritually needy. I need Jesus. I have responded to Jesus' generosity, his love. Jesus paid for my resurrection, and now I get to live. And in light of that, that generosity, I want to be a person of gratitude. And the kind of grateful person that I want to be is a person who is generous. 
And so, as I love because Jesus loved me first, I want to be generous because Jesus was generous with me first. So we crack open the story of the Bible. If we go to Genesis chapter 4, in the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel, they brought offerings to God, gifts to God. And the Bible doesn't seem to be super interested in how much they gave. There's no indication that this was even required. Best guess is, this is something that they wanted to do. What kind of character do they want to be? What kind of person do they want to be? Well, at least on some level, they wanted to bring offerings to God. But we find out that God looked upon favor on Abel and his offering, and not so with Cain and his offering. Cain becomes very angry. His face is downcast. Cain was sulking. Cain was stewing. And so in Genesis 4, God says, why are you angry? Why is your, your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, if you do what is right, you will not be accepted. Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And so what's the difference between Cain and Abel's offering here? Well, we know that Cain worked the field, and so he had produce from the soil. He brought the fruit of the soil. Abel was a shepherd, and he brought this choice select meats from the firstborn of his flock. But again, maybe that's not the right question. Maybe the better question is what's going on inside of their heart. Hebrews 11 gives us some, some insight. And yeah, Genesis 4, the Cain and Abel story, there's some mystery. Like we don't, we don't have it all, okay? But Hebrews 11.4 gives us a window to look through. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. Hmm. The message paraphrase puts it like this. It was what he believed, not what he brought, that made the difference. That's what God noticed. That's what God approved as righteous. So, so faith and belief, trust, are going on behind the scenes here in this Cain and Abel story. Abel's offering came from a place of fidelity and loyalty to God. He, he has faith in, in, in God. And God affirms this is the right orientation. The implications of the story seem to point to this. God cares about what's going on inside of our heart. What goes on in your heart shapes the kind of person you will be. And so, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? As Genesis moves forward, we see other offerings to God. Noah sacrificed a burnt offering after the flood. Uh, Isaac was almost uh, an offering, but then a ram was there as a substitute. Abram gave a tenth of the plunder to the king of Salem. Later on, this idea of giving a tenth away shows up again in the story of, of Jacob. We'll pause there. In fact, speaking of giving a tenth, this idea of giving a tenth away, that was not in Judaism alone. 
Okay, that was actually a widespread ancient Near East practice. Giving a tenth of property away or a tenth of your produce away to support a religious institution. Giving a tenth to support a, a religious program. Okay, that was a common widespread practice in the ancient world. But keep in mind, when we read Genesis and we see these offerings or these tenths given away, all that happened before it was required. Okay, all of that was before the law was given. The Mosaic law. Okay, the law. When we get to the law, we actually see three main tithes. Okay, so I don't want to I don't want to bore you with it, but I think it's important to know this this information. Well, first of all, tithe means a tenth. Okay, you guys got that? A tithe means a tenth. And sometimes we think it's a churchy word, but it actually it comes from the world of finance and real estate and mathematics, okay? It's just, it means a tenth. In the Old Testament law, so, so God is requiring this. This is, in, this is instituted, okay? This is part of their code of living here. The first tithe is what we call the Levitical tithe. It's where a tenth of your, your produce, from you know, your grain, uh, your, your, uh, your flock, your fruit, you give it to the tribe of, of Levi because they have no inheritance and the levites are there supporting the worship life of of israel they took care of the tabernacle and the temple right and so that's a, a tenth of what you have goes to supporting this big religious worship project and supporting the priests and all of that good stuff the second tithe is what we call the festival tithe Tithe, um, and this is where you also give a tenth of what you have to sponsor a festival, a big party. And then God also instituted, hey, every three years we're going to collect a tithe, and you're going to give it to local Levites and orphans and strangers and widows, and so it kind of looks like a benevolence fund. Okay, we're going to stash up a little bit each year after three years. That will equal about a tenth. And then, you know, we we give that away. And so to kind of put it into our context today, if we followed the Old Testament law, that's around twenty three point three percent of your yearly income. That, that's what it would look like. But nevertheless, nevertheless, let's take a look at God's heart. In these tithing instructions. Let's take a look here. What can we learn about God's heart and what does it mean for us today? So that out of the first Levitical tithe, God is restoring union with humans, specifically through Israel, and he gives them this religious system, sacrifice, sacrificial system and all of that, to maintain communion and worship life with, with God. God cares about our worship life. He does. God cares about our communal life. God wants to be present with us. In the tabernacle, the temple, that was where God's presence met earth. Heaven and earth 
touched there. Like, like that, that's what God wants to maintain. God wants to deal with sin. And, and God, God wants to be present. His glory. He wants to fill the earth. He wants to bless. God wants to take care of that. And he has this big system. He even has this whole tribe of people to maintain the worship service. And guess what? He's going to resource it. A tenth of everything goes towards this. Supporting the religious center is a beautiful thing. So we too, we can see the value of, of organizing a practical system of keeping people connected for a common purpose and mission and worship life. But we need to be careful that we, we need to fall in love with the mission and not the methods. Okay? Just as a quick, quick caution there. Okay, this second tithe. The festival tithe. Have you ever heard of this before? Okay. God wants them to set aside a tenth so that they can party. I'll just put it simply. It's God wants to party with his people every year. He cares about this so much that he doesn't want them to miss out. And so he wants them to budget for this. Okay. So he, he requires setting aside a tenth so that they can party. He wants to have this big family celebration. He doesn't want them to miss out, right? So once a year, it, and it, it, at some point it would end up being at Jerusalem. Once a year, all that we saved up, we're going to go enjoy it ourselves. How wonderful is that? And so we too, we can be people who see the value of celebration and, and this, you know, more worship, worship in community. God wants us to enjoy God wants us to enjoy one another, enjoy uh, the, the fruit of our labors, enjoy things in community. So in the name of Jesus, can we party hard, right? That's, that's God's heart behind this tithe, right? And then this, this third tithe, we can call it the, the poor tithe or something like that. God's heart is for the vulnerable and those outside any safety network. Orphans, widows, people passing through, strangers, things like that. And so through this organized system that will be executed by the whole community, the fatherless, the widows, the foreigner, they're all going to be taken care of. God, God sets up a system. They can eat and be satisfied as well. Outside of the law, throughout the Old Testament, there's, there's lots of talk about taking care of those in need, Facing economic injustice, taking care of one another, all of that good stuff. So that's God's heart. What does it mean for us? Well, we too, we can be people who oppose the oppression of the poor, the vulnerable. We can be people who, who want to take care of one another. Orphans and widows, single moms, single dads, so on and so on. Let's, let's, let's re, like, you know, we're, we're responding to God's heart here. We can see we can see that value. And there's wisdom in, hey, maybe we should set some money aside or some resources aside to prepare ourselves to meet needs as they come up. Okay? So three tithes, again, that might look like around 23.3% of your yearly income. But on top of all, on top of all of that is this bonus offering called free will offerings. If you just want to 
freely give to God out of the overflow of your heart, you can. All right, there, there, there are free will offerings throughout Scripture as well. Now, when we get to the gospel, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 that he did not come to abolish the law and prophets, but to fulfill them. Jesus said, to paraphrase, the purpose of the law stands, you know, the purpose still stands, but now we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live it out. Okay, let's, let's do this. The law is now inscribed on our heart. We have God's spirit. Let's, let's live this out. The, the principles and the values can still be applied and recontextualized wherever we go. So we are no longer under the Mosaic covenant, the law, the Old Testament law. Okay, We're no longer under the law. We are under the new covenant of grace. Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf through his sacrificial death. And now, through the life-giving spirit who dwells in us, we get to have communion with God all the time. We don't need to have a priestly system maintaining sacrifices and all that. Like, okay, that's, that's over. We have direct access to God because of what Jesus has done. That's us. God is transforming us. God is remaking us. We're being remade into the image of, of Jesus. So with that being said, all of that being said, is tithing biblical? The answer is yes. But is it Christian? No. <laughs> Frank Viola and George Barna, they explain, the tithe belongs to ancient Israel. It was essentially their income tax. The death, with the death of Jesus, all ceremonial codes that belonged to the Jews were nailed to Christ's cross and buried, never to be used again to condemn us. And so, yeah, the, the, the law of the tithe is, is over. The principle of the tithe, sure, there, there might be wisdom there. And so just as we, we don't see the early church doing animal sacrifices, we don't see them sacrificing bulls and goats and stuff like that. Neither do we see them tithe. Now, Jesus in the New Testament has something to say about money. It certainly does, and that's for another day. But in the New Testament, all the references to tithing, there's less than 10, they all apply, they're all in context to the Old Covenant. So yes, we don't see the early church tithing. But we do see something. We see remade people from the inside out reflecting the character of Jesus. We see people exercising and demonstrating love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We see these, these new humans exercising their, their gifts. Some are prophetic. Others are, are, uh, are gifted with teaching. Some are gifted with encouragement, and leadership, and mercy. Some are even gifted in generosity. We see people of compassion, people 
of forgiveness. We see humility. We see people working together in community. We see people who sold property and, and stuff, possessions, and they gave it away to anyone who was in need. And so the church is not under law, but they're people of grace. And maybe the question was this. It's not how much should I give, it's how much should I keep? I stated earlier, we can be people who see the value of organizing a practical system, like what, what we have here, okay? We can see the value of what we have here, of, of keeping people connected, having a common purpose, common mission, okay? Organizing church and resourcing it is potentially a really good and beautiful thing. The institutional church, organized church, with all its warts, it still has, it's done so much good and still can do so much good. Organizing church and resourcing it, it's a beautiful thing. It can be, a, it's a very beautiful idea. And, and so, again, there is no demand on the church today in terms of, of tithing. Essentially, all that, we, all that we give is a free will offering. We are all here as volunteers. We, we, we give our time, our energy, our emotions, our knowledge, our money, whatever it is. We, it's, it's, all, it's all volunteer. So, with that said, I'm sorry if you've ever felt judged or you felt forced to give. You felt fear or guilt or shame or insecure about giving to God, giving to God's church, giving to missions and supporting a missionary. Or maybe there was a disaster relief fund and you, you felt really like shamed or guilted into doing it. I'm sorry if that ever happened to you. How much you give is not to be a litmus test or sorting mechanism of, you know, in, in the church, because that is a direct violation of the gospel that brings acceptance, the amazing acceptance that comes from the gospel. Folks, we want to be a gospel church. We want to be a people of grace and gratitude and, and, and generosity. And so before we, we land the plane, let me give you an example from Second Corinthians there's this example in our New Testament of these Macedonians, these Christians just living this out. They were extremely poor. Like, they broke. <laughs> According to Paul, they were extremely poor. And there's this fundraising project going on because uh, they're trying to raise money to support these other impoverished Christians. In this case, they were down in Jerusalem. And the Macedonians, they wanted to help out. What kind of people do they want to be? And you know what? They do not give tithes. They were not held under any command. They give not because they have to, but because they get to. And the good news of God's generous grace is moving through their hearts. Overflowing joy, welled up rich generosity. It's truly a miracle. They gave as much as they could. In fact, they, they went above, beyond their ability. 
And this was entirely on their own. And so we are not commanded to give. We are invited. We are encouraged. Scripture says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is not vending machine theology, that if you put something in the plate or the basket, that you will get a goodie on the other side. Instead, the point is this. When God blesses us, we're not supposed to hoard it away or we're not just to consume it all and keep it all to ourselves. We don't keep the blessing to ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. The good news of God's blessing is to be given away. The good news of God's blessing is to be shared with others. We give And our generosity, as verse 11 says, will result in being grateful to God. Generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Generosity inspires gratitude. Gratitude inspires generosity. It is a never-ending journey. So what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of church do we want to be? Church of gratitude? Church of faith? What kind of faithful church do we want to be? Coming up here in the month of October, we're going to start to kind of turn and talk about missions. And we have the Operation Christmas Child, the shoebox program that we do. In November, we will turn towards the theme of Thanksgiving and, and all of that. We have Light the Night donations. There, there might be other things coming up, other Christmassy events or Thanksgiving events. There, there's going to be opportunities, let me just tell you, of opportunities to flex your generosity muscles. And it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our mission. It's a part of what we're, where we're going as, as a church over the next couple of of, of weeks and months here. Okay? We're not done talking about this subject. I do want to put this out there for you. Our, our giving over the year has been down according to what we expected or, or budgeted, and expenses have been higher than what we've expected or budgeted. So you can use your imagination of what that perhaps can feel like. And so, yeah, like in practice, if everyone gave 10%, that's a great place to start. Uh Or we could even legislate a tithe. Perhaps we could say, if you want to be a church member, you got to pay up. At 11 a.m. when PMC Beyond starts, maybe we can make that a pay-per-view service. What do you think? (laughs) $9.99 subscription a month, you know? You know, a couple bucks to to zoom in on Wednesdays. Big old offering plate before you go into men's group or ladies on fire, right? We could do that. But no, church, no. We have something so much better, 
so much bigger and beautiful. This, this gospel. Who do we want to be? We want to be people of the gospel. We want to be a gospel church. Paul says in, in Galatians, okay, the law was like a tutor, a guardian, okay? We can still learn from the principles of the law, okay? In fact, um, just in basic application, if we, if we can save 10%, you know, give 10% and, and save even more, like putting 23.3% away each year or just having it like off to the side, like that's actually a great place to start. So let's be real that the principles are still valid. The, the values that we find in the Old Testament are still there. Again, Paul saying, let it be a tutor, let it be a guardian, but we're not under it. The gospel challenges us differently today because the gospel wants to work in your heart. The gospel wants to change you and change how you think about money, giving away your time, other resources. The gospel wants to transform you and renew you. And so I want to encourage you, do what you can to grow closer to Jesus. Love the gospel. Grow in the gospel. Think about your identity in Christ. Think about what he has done for you. Think about his generosity. Reflect on that. Let the gospel push against that, that, that sinister greed and selfishness and ingratitude and discontentment. Overindulgence, stinginess, you know, like let the gospel push that away. Be a good tipper. Fall in love with the character of Jesus. May your life be filled with purpose and may it be meaningful as you take steps of faith. In faith from the overflow of your heart, embrace the grace of giving. Give joyously. Practice generosity with your love, your time, your treasure, your talents. God loves a cheerful giver. Let's pray.